morning, everybody. Isn't it good to be in church? Better, better than being in the best pub in town. Who used to say that? For those who don't know me, my name's Mal. I'm part of the team here. And uh, this morning I'd like to share a few things that God's been sharing with me. Um, sometimes as Christians, we can live life as though nothing has changed. Does anybody feel that? It's just me that feels that, isn't it? Anybody else feel that? You, you feel like you can pray and pray and pray and there's an old saying that the heavens are like brass and nothing seems to change and we just go on with life as normal and sometimes that's very frustrating. And I find that sometimes I find myself viewing life like I did previously before I knew Christ and that's frustrating to go back and, and believe like you believed as an unbeliever. But we need to realise that the cross has changed everything. Jesus dying on the cross for us makes a huge difference. So the title of, the, of this morning's message is The Cross Changes Everything. If we realise that the cross has changed everything, that will transform the way we see the world. You know, in, in Romans it tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the reading of the word. So we can understand that our life has been transformed and we don't have to conform to the world. The world seen through the cross changes everything. It makes us think differently. So let's no longer live as if we're bound in darkness. Let's no longer live as if there's no hope. Through Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection, we are overcomers. We're alive and free. Amen? Amen. Amen. No longer is the past weighing us down. No longer are we stuck in some sort of self-perpetuating pattern of sin. But we're able to be made righteous by the blood of Jesus. And now we're heirs to Christ and children of the living God. So as we ponder this morning, as we look into the word, Ask yourself some questions. Do you see yourself as alive and free? Are you living as if nothing has changed? If nothing has changed, do you need to get closer to God? Or do you need to spend time in prayer? Do you need to make Christ the most important part of your life? Do you need to read the word of God? And meditate on it day and night. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In the book of Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, if you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. God wants us to initiate communication with him. He's quite happy to talk to us, but he's a gentleman and he's going to wait for you to talk to him. Through the cross, everything is changed. So we need to grab hold of that truth and hang on to it and grow in Christ. By doing so, we will bear, be fruitful, effective and productive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I better get the technology out. Almost forgot that I had it. Something's wrong here. 
Why is that not starting? That's better. Okay, John 15, 1 to 4 says, I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch that does not bear grapes and every branch that is grape bearing he prunes back so that it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way a branch that can't bear grapes by itself but is only being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Now in some translations, when it says here, live in me, make your home in me as I do in you, in some translations it says abide, abide in me. Abide is a stronger word. The original Greek was minu and mino. And mino means stay in the same place as you are. It says come and take up residence, reside. It means to be accommodated. It means to lodge. I believe what Jesus is saying here is come and be part of the family. Come and be part of my family. You know, when people share a house together, roommates, housemates or whatever, what happens? A bond develops between them. They become almost like a pseudo family, especially if they're they're living in the same place for a long time. They're living separate lives, but they look out for each other. They help each other. They have a relationship which is similar to a family. They almost become like siblings. That's what God wants for us. That's what Jesus wants. Come and join my family. Come and live in my house and have relationship with me. In this scripture we see about pruning of the vine. Now, who's ever worked in a vineyard? Good, I can be fairly safe in what I'm about to say. (laughs) We've all seen vineyards. We've all seen how nice and neatly trimmed they are. What's the reason for that? So they will bear more fruit. The bunches will be bigger. Now, because not many of us well, none of us have worked in a vineyard. I've done a bit of grape picking, but that's different. Um, none of us have actually worked in a vineyard and tended the vines, but something a bit closer to home that I think we've all had a go at, and some more successful than others, like Ben's much better at this than me, tomatoes. <laughs> Who's grown tomatoes? Who's been successful at growing tomatoes? Ben, you're the only one. So, Emily? Yep, okay. So, so what, makes, what makes for big, fat, juicy tomatoes? What do you got to do to a tomato vine to make it grow big, fat, juicy tomatoes? Do you just let it grow wild? What happens if you do? Well, yeah, it can die. What do you get? You get small fruit. It's fairly bland. It's often dry. When tomatoes get that little growth in the fork, you get a, a leaf come out, you pinch it out, you prune it out. The, the tomatoes that sprout from down low, you know, the, the leaves that sprout down low close to the ground, you peel them off, you prune them and big fat juicy fruit appears. I do all that but they still don't. 
Water, that's right, water, water. And what's that stuff you use? Who flung dung or whatever it's called? The fertiliser. But the fact of the matter is the tomato plant is not going to do that by itself. It's similar to to the grapevine. So if we do look after it, it's going to bear fruit. And it's exactly the same with us. If we allow the Father, if we allow God to prune off the stuff in our lives that's taking up space, we're going to be much more fruitful. The fruit is not going to be small. It's not going to be underdeveloped. It is going to be something that God is pleased with. We need God to do that for us if we're going to live in him. Wrong way. No? Okay, let's have a look at 1 Peter 5, 9 in the NIV. Sorry, 2 Peter. I'm bit, <laughs> sorry about that. Well done. Good, good, good spotting the deliberate mistake. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed of their past sins. Now I want to read that again, but this time in the message version. And Eugene Peterson puts it like this. So don't lose a minute building on what you've been given, contemplating your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness and generous love, each dimension fitting into it and developing the others. With these qualities, active and growing in your lives, No grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. Oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Wiped off the books. What does that mean? gone doesn't exist anymore there is no record of our wrongdoing because Jesus has wiped that off the books with his blood to grow in the Lord and in your gifting we must have the qualities mentioned in 2 Peter 1 5 through to 9 and not only that we need to increase them in every day when we look at life through the cross we learn to love Jesus. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 38. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first 
and greatest commandment. When we love Jesus with all our heart and soul and mind, then we actually want to obey his commandments. Who's ever been in a situation where you go in there perhaps with fear and trembling or or apprehensiveness, but then you discover you actually want to be there? That's what it's like in Jesus. When we put Jesus first in our life, when we love the Lord with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, then we actually want to please him. We actually want to obey him. Folks, make every effort to supplement our faith. Take the next step to mature in Christ. Remember, we need to add these qualities to our lives. As as we grow nearer to God, then we can add those qualities from 1 Peter. Sorry, 2 Peter. If we have all these qualities, they will keep us from being ineffective and unfruitful in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But when we seek these things, then our whole perspective changes. We have an assurance that the cross has changed everything and we can see ourselves fulfilled and in a purposeful life, being in Christ, redeemed and set free. Freedom from limitations that hold us back. Who, who might have things in their lives that you think, oh, if only I could stop doing that, if only I could get rid of that. It could be a habit, it could be a fear, it could be just something in our lives that's been following us around for a long time and we really would like to drop it off somewhere. Am I the only one that has that? No, we all have that. But in Christ we have the freedom to do that. But the only way we can do that is if we replace that thing with something else. If we replace that with Jesus. If we replace that with the love of God. If we replace that with wanting to add all those qualities to our lives. Then we might be amazed at what might drop off. So what does biblical freedom mean? To understand that, we must first look to the source of freedom. Galatians 5.1. Sorry I keep turning around, but I'm not real confident of this thing. (laughs) In the New Living Translation, it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that we stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. Our source of freedom is none other than Jesus Christ himself. He has set us free from the bondage of sin and law. This freedom is not the absence of restraint, but the presence of Christ in our lives. It's the liberty to live in obedience of God's will. So... Again, what does this freedom mean? To truly appreciate it, we need to recognise that we've been liberated from sin. Romans 6.6, 6, also in the New Living Translation. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. 
We are no longer slaves to sin. Biblical freedom means being free from the power of sin. Through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we are no longer enslaved to our sinful nature. We're no longer held captive by our past mistakes. Of course, I'm the only one with past mistakes, aren't I? No. No, we've all made mistakes. Oh, okay, yes, yes. Apparently, yes. No, we've all made mistakes. We've all got stuff we would really rather forget. We were, we've all got stuff we'd like to leave behind. There was a guy I used to work with and, and he, um, he was a rather large guy and cr- fairly cruelly he had the nickname of Slim. And uh, um, I met up with him, I used to work with him in Telstra years ago and uh, uh, I met up with him uh, in Wyala when I worked over there. And um, when I met up with him again in Adelaide and was working with him again, I called him Slim and he took me aside and he said, can we please leave that in Wyala? He didn't want to be called that anymore. The point of the matter is he wanted to lose that. He wanted to leave it behind. How many things do we have in our lives that we want to lose, we want to leave behind, we want to leave them somewhere else where they might have had significance but now they no longer have significance in our lives. And the reason they no longer have significance is because Christ has dealt with them on the cross and we need to give them up to Christ on the cross. That was the whole reason why Christ came and died for us so that we could give that stuff up and leave it behind, leave it back where it was. It doesn't have to follow us around. This freedom grants us the ability to choose righteousness over sin. If sin is not taking up space in our lives, we have the freedom to love and to serve. How often, when things get in the way, do we run out of time? How often do we get to a point where we're beyond our capacity? What is it that's keeping us in that space? We have got things in our lives that are taking up room that we need to give to God. Freedom doesn't just bless us personally. It empowers us to love and to serve one another and to bless others. When we make room in our lives by getting rid of the stuff that's holding us back, we have room to be able to bless others and give to others. Galatians 5.13, again in the New Living Translation. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In God's kingdom, freedom is not selfish, it's selfless. It's not about me, it's about God. It's the freedom to love, to serve and to build up others. It's the freedom to extend grace and forgiveness just as we have received it from our gracious God the Father. Biblical freedom also means the ability to live righteously not according to the world's standards, but according to God's standards. 2 Corinthians 3.17 
didn't work that time. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The presence of God within us grants us the freedom to live according to his will. It empowers us to bear the Spirit, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, sorry, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. In one of Paul's epistles he says that against such things there is no law. We can all do well to display those fruits. It's not fruits, it's fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. As we conclude this journey to understanding that the cross changes everything and gives us biblical freedom, let me finish with a few practical ways to apply it in our lives. First one. Embrace Christ's freedom. Fully accept the freedom that Christ offers. It's not just a theological concept. It is a life-transforming reality. It can make a huge difference. The second one, walk in righteousness. Choose to live righteously. Choose. It is an active choice. It is a deliberate decision on our part to do that. We consciously make a decision. Musicians, if you could just play something, please. We can deliberately choose to live righteously, guided by God's word in the leading of his spirit. Third one, love and serve we can use our freedom to love and to serve others selflessly to extend grace forgiveness and compassion which is what Christ has done for all of us and we should do for others fourthly we can share the gospel freedom is too precious to keep to ourselves share the good news of Christ liberating power with others who are still in bondage now most times that will be just a simple thing that you can say that's going to make all the difference it doesn't mean we have to have a soapbox in the middle of the oval and preach out God's word it means meeting people at their need it means having something simple from God listening to the spirit for inspiration and having something simple to say that's going to make all the difference to somebody that needs a touch from God and God will do the rest we just need to be available the fifth one is stay free guard your freedom in Christ don't allow the entanglements of sin or the world to trap us again The last thing the devil wants is for you to feel free. The last thing the devil wants is for you to be in tune with God. But we can say no to him and we can say yes to God. 
and we can listen to what the Spirit says. Instead of listening to the world, listen to the Spirit of God. In closing, remember that biblical freedom is not merely a privilege. It's a responsibility. It's a call to live in the faithfulness of Christ's liberty and to extend that to others. Let's pray for the strength and wisdom to see our life through the cross and apply biblical freedom to our lives every day. Perhaps this might have spoken to some people this morning. Perhaps you may have something in your life that you do want to leave behind, you want to let go of, you want to drop. Have a word with God this morning. He wants us to initiate communication with Him. He wants us to be able to lay those things at the foot of the cross and let Jesus deal with them. That was why Jesus came. So that instead of us having to suffer, He suffered on our behalf. Let God do some business with you this morning. Open your hearts. Speak to Him and listen to what He has to say. You might be surprised. There might be some things in your life that have been pestering you for years. They might be easier to get rid of than you think. If you let God do the work. Stop struggling with those things today. Let's just have a couple of minutes of silence. Keep playing the piano. Just listen to what God has to say. Just for a couple of minutes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the priceless freedom we have in Christ. Help us to live in the fullness of this freedom, walking in righteousness and love. May our lives be a testament to your liberating power. In Jesus' name we pray.